We want to continue. We want to hear from God's Word this morning. So once again, we want to welcome everyone, and it's our joy to have uh, some, I was going to say guests, but really it's just extended family. And so once again, I just want to welcome Don Smith, who's here with us from Eastbourne, England. And Don heads back uh, tomorrow, and we're thrilled to have Don be able to share with us last week at our All Together meeting, and then he spoke last Sunday in Charlottetown with our church there, so it's been a real encouragement uh, to us, and so we're grateful to have Don with us. And then we've got Mark and Mary Jane Seifer and Ryan and Owen with us this morning from Wolfville, and Mark and Mary Jane grew up in Fredericton, and we met them years ago uh, when Mark was, first of all, at Marysville Baptist and then at Brunswick Street Baptist, and just connect it, and it was amazing. Mark and I worked kind of hand-in-glove in 2004 with Title Impact when it was in Fredericton that year. So it was uh, lots of different connections, and so we've been thrilled just to see what God's done the last four years in Wolfville with Christ Community Church and the hand of God upon that church, and just to see what God's doing and just hearing stories of God uh, changing lives in and through that church. And so we gathered over the last couple of days, some of our leaders together just to be together for friendship, for prayer, for encouragement. And so the ciphers were able to stay on uh, for the weekend. And so we asked Mark to speak this morning. So Mark, why don't you come? And uh, we want to welcome you. I just want to pray for you. And then we look forward to what God wants to say through you. So God, we just want to thank you again, Lord, for family. God, we thank you for uh, everything that you've done uh, through Mark and Mary Jane and their family and their lives, Lord, over all of these years and their, your faithfulness to them and their faithfulness to you. And God, we thank you that they're here this morning. We just pray now, would you fill Mark, Lord, with your Holy Spirit? God, come and give him great sensitivity to your word and to your voice. And God, would you open our hearts to hear and receive from you today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Mark. Welcome. I heard once uh, that there are three parts to a race, and if you want to call them A, B, and C, uh, A is the beginning, and B is the actual race, and C is the very end of the race where you're actually heading toward the finish line, yet you see the, you see the finish line. And uh, the question was asked, what part of the race is the most difficult? So in your own mind, we won't do a survey this morning, but just in your own mind, you might go, you know, is it A, where you're preparing and you're just getting ready to start? Is it B when you're in the actual middle of that race and you're journeying through? Or is it at the end when you see the finish line and you have to put on that extra burst of speed, resilience to, to make it to the end? Well, you might say A and you might say C, but the person who wrote this article or, or was teaching this teaching tried to convince his audience that it was B. And it's actually in the middle of the journey because at, at the start of the journey at that A-level portion of the race, uh, you're pretty excited. You're juiced. You're ready to go. You've, you've all uh, gotten together, and you are on the mission. You know exactly which direction you're going, and you just can't wait to get started. And at the end, when you see that finish line, you are, you're, you're just excited again that you know that what you've done, you've accomplished something, and you are almost there. The sweet taste of that victory is on the, on the edge of your lips. But it's in the middle of the journey that you get discouraged and you can get battled and you can get down and you can start forgetting what the purpose is of, your, of the race itself. And the longer the journey, the harder it is in that B-level portion of the race. Well, I want to tell you that uh, as Christ Community Church began four years ago, at that A-level part of the journey, we were pumped, we were juiced. 
It was honeymoon. It was exciting. We were all on the same mission together. We were all in the same living room together, and we were doing life together, and everyone knew that this was what God had ordained for us, and we were excited to move forward. And you know, as life goes on, and we know that there will be a day when we get to see the, the, the finish line, although we know right now that there is a finish line, and there is an author and perfecter of our faith who already has it or orchestrated that we win. But there's an enemy who in the B level of the journey tries to tell us that we're on the wrong mission or something's wrong or we focus on the wrong things and we get discouraged and we forget that he orchestrated our lives that we would start the journey and he's already created a victory for us. But in the B zone, we got to take heart. We got to team together. And I want to say thank you to this church who has partnered with us in the B zone. We've now passed the A zone. The honeymoon is over. Right? We're well past that day. We're four years in, but we're still babies. When it comes to church, church planting, moving forward. But when you get into the orchestration of mission, vision, values, buildings, finances, staffing, um, all of those things that go along, all the things that you just never, you know, working with the government, no offense anyone here. I'm just saying it sometimes goes a little slower than you might like. And yet, this church has stood beside us in the B zone. And I want to tell you that I don't know where we would be today if it wasn't for your church and your leadership. Standing beside us countless times. You know, you know right now, Joe and Gary are just common household terms in our church. They just, as, as if they're, they expect them to be there every week. But we're up to almost 20 visits that these guys have made to our place. And Joe and his family visited and lived with us for five weeks. And that is part of you being willing to say, we let go because we believe in the mission. And we're excited that we are still doing this mission. And we hope that we can be part of your encouragement in the B zone. Because we're all in the B zone, right? Until the final day when he comes back. So... I want to tell you a little bit about where I'm from. I don't know if you know where we're from. Actually, when he says Wolfville, I actually live in a small, I live in a village. It's always fun to say when you come from a city. I'm from Fredericton originally. My wife is as well. All of our children were born here, but we, um, under God's um, design, were called to go to the Annapolis Valley of Nova Scotia in 2006. At the time, um, he had us living in a, in, a, in a place called New Minus, and I served in a church there for nine years. And then, as we said, four years ago, God put it on our hearts to take a new turn in our lives and in ministry. But uh, going from New Minus to where we actually meet for church is in this uh, place called Wolfville, a town of Wolfville. It's about 10 minutes away from where I live, and we run through the same road between New Minus and Wolfville every time we go. There's one road that connects all of the, sm the smaller towns and villages in between. And I could go farther to the east and to the west, but between New Minus and Wolfville, there is a road. And I have traveled it literally thousands of times now. And sometimes when you're on that A to B journey between New Minus and Wolfville, you're feeling, how can I redeem the time? Right? Because you're excited when you start in the A zone. I'm leaving my parking lot going, oh, I'm leaving my driveway going, oh, yes, I get to go to Wolfville today. And as I enter Wolfville, I'm excited I'm there. But this long stretch in between, and it seems longer every time you, you go through it on Commercial Street, uh, you find some things to, to, to redeem the time. So this is going to be ad uh, admitting one of my guilty pleasures. When I was growing up, I, uh, I actually had an affinity toward math. I actually studied to be a math teacher. I enjoy math. I'm sorry if that offends any of you. But 
Um, but I actually was, I was terrible at a lot of different subjects. Uh, like I really didn't know anything about biology. I, I wasn't a, didn't have an affinity toward history or lots of other subjects. But for whatever reason, I don't know why, I, I learned how to spell and almost to a fault. And maybe it was like when, when I was in grade five and I uh, was in a spelling bee and I spelled a word that I thought that the teacher had told me how to spell it, I before E except after C. And so they asked me to spell reindeer, and so I spell it R-I-E-N-D-E-E-R. And it was wrong, and it just boom, burned me for the rest of my life that I had to live with that, you know, uh, sorry, <clears throat> scripts, but spelling, but you go sit down, and the, the, just the humility of that. Anyway, so I felt like I had to be able to spell, and I, I've always had this eye on words. So when I drive now from my house into Wolfville, I look at signs. And I actually, after time, I realized that some of those signs are spelled wrong. Have you ever done that? <laughs> to the point that there were so many that I decided that I would start taking pictures. And I now have a collection of misspelled signs between my house and Wolfville. I'm going to share some of those with you. So this is a new form of fuel. This is a form of fuel. Now, in the valley, we have a lot of farmer's markets. So between our house and Wolfville, there are six farmer's markets, and this is one of them. And they were promoting at their store that they are selling asparagus, <laughs> a buck 20 a liter. And now, the next one. <laughs> next one, jam and jellies. My mother taught me that it's I-E-S on the end of those words, jellies, although I do like jam and jellies. How would you make jam or jelly? Maybe out of some sweet charries. All right, or maybe you make it out of some strawberry. <laughs> At some point, some of you are going to laugh or not laugh because you don't realize it's spelled wrong, but it is. <laughs> um, tomato, I, I always knew that it was not an O-E on the end, right? So pickling, keeps green tomato. Um, this one, I can't believe in Atlantic Canada, we spelled poutine right, <laughs> poutine wrong, which is actually more like the Russian president. Yes, the next one. <clears throat> um, this one, I don't know, can you see what's wrong on this one? Can you see? Yeah, so three pounds of gold and something, probably apples, but now you have 10 BLs of russets. I don't know what that measurement is. Next one. Uh, okay, there's, uh, this one is, I didn't know that this was an actual fruit, karani melon, and I looked it up and I realized it's canary melon, yes. The next one, this is all within just a few months. Food, food bank. <laughs> that person was hungry. The next one, I live in a, I, I don't, the village of Numinus. Yes, next one. Um, if you can't see, it's a little dark. The subway was selling Dolor drinks, D-O-L-L-O-R drinks. Okay, next one. Uh, Tieste, yes, next one. I stopped every time and got out of my car. I'm just telling you to, make, to take these signs, yeah. Certified 212, or 212cc or snowblower. This one, it's not like they didn't have the space to put the A. In, in national. Like, so why would you abbreviate national? N-A-T-I-O-N-L. So there, next one. Come loin us, volunteers welcome at, this is at, this is at the fire department. I don't know what they're promoting here. Next one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The valley's a great place to live. I'm just telling you, it's a great place. People are very friendly. At, it does get cold like it does here, zero degrees Celsius, but at the very same time, it's also, the next slide, um, zero degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> and uh, now, next one, oh, go back one, go back one. Um, now, this, I don't know where it was taken, actually, but I, 
They are not 100% open. They are percent 100 <laughs> open. But it's all fun and games, right? Until I get to the final three, the fun and games in our community. But until you get these ones wrong, this one is, next one is apologize. Yeah, silence, right? Next one, forgiveness. And the last one, gospel. We can get all the other words wrong, but when we get apologize wrong and forgiveness wrong and gospel wrong, then it's time to do something. I want us to, uh, this morning, thank you for putting those on the screen. This morning, I want us to, uh, to really understand the importance of getting things right when it comes to apologizing, forgiving, and the gospel. And it's from the source of exactly what we've been talking about this morning, because we have a mission. In the book of Hebrews, um, if you look at it in summary form, there are two things that the book of Hebrews really points to us to do. Number one is to elevate Jesus, to make much of Jesus, to make his name known, to do anything we can to lift him up, and we'll get to that. And the second point it makes is that we need to persevere in that very mission, in the B zone, to keep going. So not only must we get it right when we elevate Jesus, we have to be perseverant when we have to keep going through that journey. I, I want to take us back, though. I, I want to touch two different passages today. One is in the book of Philemon. It's actually almost the entirety of the book of Philemon, which is one page, if you're concerned. Um, <laughs> It's right before the, the, the book of Hebrews. And I want to start there. I have the verses on the screen, and we're going to go there in just a moment. <clears throat> a background to the book of Philemon. Philemon is a book written by um, the Apostle Paul, and Paul writes it to um, a gentleman, but he writes it to a church. We're going to see that in just a minute. He writes it in a level of accountability to the person he's writing it to. And he's really trying to make sure that this gentleman, named Philemon, understands how to spell uh, apologize right, forgiveness right, and the gospel right. Let's take a look at it if we can in Philemon. We'll take a see if it's on the screen. I'm reading out of the NIV um, because that's the Bible I have. So, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. I'll stop little pieces along the way. To, um, Paul is in prison in, in Rome, and he's probably in house arrest at this point in his life. Uh, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. He's writing to Philemon. Now, Philemon, he actually led to Christ. He used the gospel to present him to Christ. And so he's writing to him now as Philemon himself, a follower of Christ, is leading a church. Also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, and I'm probably butchering their names, our fellow soldiers, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's just like uh, most letters in that time, they're, they're really just a formal, very kind introduction to the letter, and we now know who it's from and who it's to. In verse 4, I th always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because of two key things, because of your love and because of your faith. You get love spelled right, and you have faith spelled right. And we love it when you get that spelled right. I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great, what? What are the next two words? Joy and encouragement. So, so far, his faith and his love, because they do those right, 
in, in turn ends up with joy and encouragement. To this point, is Philemon feeling pretty good or not? Yeah, he's feeling built up. I, I would encourage you just to stop there and to recognize that the way you address people when you're going to tell them something difficult, because he is, before you tell them something difficult, why don't you just find every good thing you can to say about them? Here he's building up everything he possibly can, and not in a fake way. He actually is revering the fact that they love properly, they have faith in the Lord Jesus, and it brings joy and encouragement. And because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Your goal, church, is to refresh the hearts of the Lord's people. And you do that through your faith, through your love, through the way you bring joy and encouragement, and you get those words spelled right. Therefore, therefore, here's the turn, therefore, although in Christ I can be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, and why could he order him to do anything? Out of an, a legal authority? No. But out of respect, maybe because he is his spiritual parent, maybe because he, he, he has earned that right, although Paul is a humble man, and as you will see, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do in Christ, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. In the same way you parents, you talk to your children, don't you, wouldn't you rather you could just not have to order them to do anything, that you could just tell them something and hope that they would respond in love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for who? My son, Onesimus. His biological son? No. His son in Christ. So who's Onesimus? Onesimus actually is a slave of Philemon. Onesimus ran away. This is not good. Onesimus was a slave. He ran away from his master. And legally, this is going to have repercussions. There has to be, whether it's a beating or a loss of life. But here I am, appealing for my son Onesimus. I'm going to stand with him. Why would he stand with him? Because he became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you. The name Onesimus actually means useful. And it's a play on words. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. And I am sending him back. Onesimus, are you excited about this? Are you excited about going home? Probably not. I'm sending him. Who is my very heart back to you? I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but be voluntary. Hey, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while is that you might have him back forever. Have you ever heard that about love? You let someone go, so that when they come back, you'll know it's true love. Well, in this case, I'm glad he went away, because he's changed, he's different. He's a new man. And I want you to have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So do you understand what he's asking? At this point, I'm sure the conversation had been had between Paul and Onesimus, where Paul would look him straight in the eye and say to him, 
Are you saying you're apologizing? That you're sorry? That you're repenting for what you've done? That you know that running away was wrong? I can guarantee you that the answer was yes. At that point, the word apologize was spelled right. And next, he's now asking Philemon if he knows how to spell. He's saying, Philemon, will you receive him back? Will you forgive him? Well, why would I forgive him? And so that's where the gospel comes in. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Who does this sound like? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus who paid it all for me. I couldn't pay a thing, neither could Onesimus. And yet Paul stands in his place and says, I'll pay it all. I, Paul, am writing back with my own hand. He's giving this address to the church itself. I will pay it back, not to mention, sorry, um, not to mention that you owe me your very self. He's saying, by the way, if you want to know why you might want to do this, because you'd be dead in your sins if it weren't for me. And he says that with all humility. And so, uh, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you and the Lord. And there's the, there are those words again. Refresh my heart in Christ. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. See, at that point, there's a real challenge, a challenge for Onesimus to understand how we must apologize. Maybe some of you are in that place and you've wronged someone in this room, in your family, in your community, in your life, and you need to learn how to spell. And maybe some of you have to go on the other side of that and say, I really just need to forgive because someone broke my heart or took something from me or really damaged my life. In my life, uh, years ago, I was hit by a drunk driver, broke my arm in 10 places as I was riding on a bike threw me to the side of the road and was uh, very close to death from that throwing onto the ground. I had to make a choice in my life whether I was ever going to forgive that man, right? Now, the fact is he's dead. To this day, I can't go back to him. I've never actually talked with him directly, but can I forgive him? Yes, of course I can. Because he could never pay me back. He could never pay me back. He could never restore my arm again. He could never do anything that, that was going to make my life the way it was before again. But that's not the point. The point is I can forgive. So just for any of you who say, well, the person I, that hurt me isn't even in this room or in this province or in this country, you can still forgive. You can get that word spelled right. And why? Because it's in light of the gospel. How can I receive back this slave as a brother? Because of the gospel. Because we're on even keel now. It's changed. It's changed. You see, our job in doing this is to make much of Jesus, to elevate Jesus, to make him known. That's our job. And we have a choice. I have a choice when I'm driving between New Minus and Wolfville. I can focus on all the negative things. I can say, that's spelled wrong, that's spelled wrong, that's spelled wrong, that's spelled wrong, that's wrong, wrong. And all the people who spelled them are wrong, and I live in a terrible place. And they're all going to hell because they can't spell. Or I can look at the person who makes the farm market at the farm market and I can say, you know what? They may not be able to spell very well, but boy, am I ever glad that they provide food for me to live. When I hit a pothole, 
I can be begrudging the fact that someone didn't fill that pothole and I have a broken rim. Or I can say, you know what? I'm grateful to have a road to drive on. And every once in a while, there's going to be a hiccup and a bump. And that's just life. You know, we're, we're supposed to elevate Jesus. And he's imploring Philemon to elevate Jesus because now he's a follower of Christ. And Onesimus is on the same plane. He is a brother in Christ. Paul and Onesimus and Philemon, they're on the same plane. Do you know that every single person in this room is on the same plane? You're on the same team. You're on the same journey. You're encouraging each other from A to C. You're in the B zone. Let's get behind each other. Let's cheer for each other. Let's root for each other because we need each other. We need you at Christ Community Church in Wolfville and you need us. We need to be there for one another and it's important that we learn how to apologize, that we learn how to forgive and we learn what the gospel is. I just pause here to say if there's someone that you need to make things right with, maybe they're in this room or outside, I'm telling you the way that you respond is the way that you either elevate Christ or diminish his glory. It doesn't change him. It just, display, just changes the way you display him in and through your life. I want to tell you why he's worthy of being praised before we move on to, to Hebrews. When we look back at uh, Philippians chapter 2, that famous passage, verses 9 to 11 say, Therefore God exalted him, who, Christ, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. For what reason? To the glory of God. To the glory of God. That's why we worship him. That's why we lift him up. When Gary read these pa this passage from Hebrews chapter 1, what was it all about? He's worthy. He's worthy. That's why we do it. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, you know what it says? Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory of God. That's your mission. That's your mission. In Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16, just turn the page. Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We lift him up because he's worthy. And so our job is to refresh the hearts because the fact is Philemon's response to this shows whether he is the slave or not. In 2 Peter 2, verse 19, it says, a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. So Philemon's response will display what has mastered him. And Paul has already shown that he's been mastered by Jesus and is a slave to righteousness. When you go into Romans chapter 6, if we can turn there for a minute. Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that our body ruled with sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Do you want to live or do you want to live in death? Sort of an oxymoron. Going on to verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive in Christ, alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil's desire, evil desires. Philemon, don't get caught up in the world's standards of saying he has to be, according to the law, beaten or put to death. 
Because you no longer live under the law. You live under grace. This is the good news. This is the gospel. It changes everything. It changes everything. You can go on. But Sin shall no longer be your master, it says in verse 14, because you are not under law, but under grace. And then verse 23, that famous verse, for the wages of sin is death. That's the punishment that's, that's been earned, Onesimus. That's what you've earned, it's death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our job as the church is to refresh the hearts of others in Christ. Our job is to serve like Paul, to be cultural mediators, life givers. Our individual decisions affect the wider culture. In our church, we have this tagline. It says, to see the people and the culture of the Annapolis Valley transformed by the gospel. Well, how does any transformation occur if the gospel hasn't been spelled right? And how do we present the gospel? By forgiving one another, by accepting one another, by going beyond the law and offering grace. Our job is to focus on the positive, faith, love, joy, encouragement, apology, forgiveness, and the gospel. That's grace. And so he builds up Philemon, he builds up Onesimus, he builds up everybody, he's just building up. But he says, therefore, therefore, because in Galatians 4, it says we are no longer slaves. You're no longer a slave. It's not about turning a blind eye to sin. It's not that Onesimus and Philemon don't have to have a difficult conversation. It's not that we just brush it and don't deal with it. But our attitude toward the gospel dictates that conversation and how we interact, how we apologize, and how we forgive. This is about repentance. It's about forgiveness. It's about freedom. It's about whatever enslaves and separates us. So let the gospel refresh you first, and then it will refresh other people. Can I say that again? Will you let the gospel refresh you? Just as we heard the light bulb moment here this morning, that must have been a moment of refreshment. The gospel brings refreshment. It's like being in the B zone and someone offering you a glass of water. It brings refreshment. And your job is not only to be refreshed, but to offer refreshment. Because this glorifies God. This elevates Jesus. I remember standing at one of your conferences, and when they have people coming and they share, and I've shared this before, but God just put in my heart that word relevant. And he said the church wants to be relevant. How can the church be relevant today? When you look at the root word of relevant, it actually comes from the root to lift up. If you want to be relevant today in this community, in this place that you live, in, in my village where I live, in my province, in your province, in this nation and beyond, to be relevant is to lift up. Not only by the way that we treat one another, but that to lift up the name of Jesus, and to lift up the gospel. And is what you're doing lifting up the gospel? There are three things that the church is supposed to do to lift up the gospel. Do you know what they are? Number one, are we a church that promotes grace? Second, are we a church that promotes relationship? Third, are we a church that promotes joy? That's what promotes the gospel. Are you a church that lifts up and builds up 
and is refreshed by and uses it to refresh others? Do you lift up the gospel? Do you lift up grace? And are you gracious? Do you know how to spell apology? Do you know how to spell forgiveness? Do you understand that Jesus knows how to spell those very well? And your life was dependent on it. Do you know that you have to be in relationship with one another? You have to be in good relationship with one another if you want to display that gospel in this town, in this city. You have to know that in that relationship, it gets tough sometimes. There are a lot of B-zones in relationships. And yet he says, I have refreshed you. You refresh another. And then finally, the joy that comes with that. The joy, the joy, the joy. Are you a church of joy? Or do you just come here out of drudgery and out of law? There are lots of churches out there that come to church on a Sunday morning, less and less and less now, but they come because of the law. You don't come to this place because of the law. Please don't tell me you come to this place because of the law. Please tell me that you came because of grace. And that grace brings you joy. And you come here to emphasize joy and grace and relationships. You don't come to sit in your own chair that you've already carved out and could have a plaque because you sit there every week right now. You don't sit there every week because, and then leave, because that's not lifting up the church. That's not lifting up Christ. When you come, you have a mission to be in relationship with other people. Sunday, every day. Are you a church of grace? and promoting grace? Are you a church that promotes relationship? You live, do life together, and are you a church of joy? Because people are watching all around. There are four questions that people are asking all the time. <laughs> They're asking four questions all the time. We learned this at a conference. Uh, Mark Clark wrote a book called The Problem of God, and he wrote this and this. He quoted someone else, but the four questions that we always, whether we think about it or not, we're always asking, who am I? Where am I? What's the problem? And what's the solution? Who am I? Where am I? What's the problem? And what's the solution? And I can tell you this right now. People are watching you every day because they're trying to figure out the answers to these questions. Who am I? They don't know. They don't really know who they are. But you do. I'm a child of God. I'm a blood-bought, blood a tongue twister, a blood-bought, saved, redeemed, entity that he created in the first place for his glory. I have a purpose. And where am I? I'm on earth. Incredibly beautiful planet that has all of its weirdness. And yet, he put us here for the purpose because he wants to redeem this earth and restore relationship to him. I understand who I am. and we're, I understand that. But people don't. And they're watching you and trying to find out what the answers are. And then those questions, what's the problem? Well, we know what the problem is. Sin. There are people out there who have no idea what the problem is. That they're separated from God. They don't know that. And the solution is Jesus Christ himself. See, we have the answer. And they're watching us. The question is, are we getting these things spelled right? Are we actually doing this right? Because they're looking to find out what the answers are. Every single day. Well, let's move on to Hebrews. And in Hebrews, we see, that, and I mentioned that it has two points. One is to elevate Christ, and one is to uh, persevere in the faith. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 13, because it gives us some practical examples of how we can live that out. 
how we can actually spell right, do life right, be a church of grace, be a church of relationship, be a church of joy. But before I go there, um, in chapter 11, so we went through chapters 1 through 10, elevate Christ. Chapter 11, it's that, do anyone remember what that chapter is? It's like the hall of faith, where all those guys from the Old Testament are like lifted up for their faith. But do you remember the common thing amongst them? None of them ever saw the finish line. They never saw like the, the prize that was, that was promised to them. And yet they persevered through all of that. And then in chapter 12, it really emphasizes emphasizes that we are that we are children of God that he is our father he loves us encourages us disciplines us but that yes there is a mountain of fear as we see in verse 18 referring back to the old testament that mountain mount sinai where the people came before God and the 10 commandments were given and Moses came and they all came with trepidation right fear reverent fear for God but it goes on to say it says in verse 22 but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So you live in a new covenant. You live in grace. And so you must live differently. You must. In fact, later on, and this is really the verse that sparked all of this for me, verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we already know the sea. We already know the prize. We already know that we win. We already know where we're going. We already know that it is worth it. And he found me worth it. Then what's our response? Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. This is what we are to do. We are to live out our lives, faith and love, the faith and love that were celebrated in the book of Philemon with joy and encouragement. I want us just to quickly go through these. If we can look at Hebrews chapter 13 on the screen. These are just things that we practically have to do to live out the gospel, right? Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. It sounds like relationship to me. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it, a reference to the Old Testament when Abraham went out and greeted those three visitors and he gave them something to eat and something to drink and took them in. And he went above and beyond and it was good. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are ministered, sorry, <laughs> those who are mistreated, I couldn't spell, um, as if you yourselves were suffering. I want to stop there for a second and just say, in your life, brothers and sisters, <clears throat> that reference is really to, to take care of them in the way that you should, in the Acts 2 kind of brothers and sisters. Everything they need, I'll offer. And if you need something, we'll offer. We'll share. We'll do life together. And then it goes on. It actually then references people that maybe uh, aren't necessarily in our life regularly. Strangers, prisoners, those who are mistreated, those who suffer. Does that sound familiar? It's to be this Philadelphia love the sharing commonly according to the needs of others. And we are to not only do that for what, the ones we know, but those we don't know 
Who can you reach out to? Who is God going to prompt you to this week that you could elevate Christ in the way that you love them and serve them this week? It is about relationship. It's the way we care for one another. And then the next two, two things that are real targets for the church, marriage, the sexual purity part, and money. Let's go. Where does it say? Oh, sorry. I, uh, verse four, back one screen. Thank you. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Let me just say this broadly and specifically at the same time um, that we have a responsibility, those of us in marriage, to keep marriage a sacred entity that God created, that we are to honor and love and get those words spelled right with our spouse. But not only that, even if you're not married, maybe you're in a Maybe you're single right now. You too can honor marriage in the way that you prepare for marriage or uphold other people's marriage by not doing anything that will take them off track. And those of you who have been married, maybe you're now divorced or widowed. You too, you have to support. Even if you had some rough times, you have to lift up and support that marriage bed as it's referenced here in NIV. Keep it pure because there is a judgment. This is the way we uphold worship for God. Next verse, please. Keep your lives free from the love of money. He said, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Has anyone ever been in a financial bind? Has anyone wanted more money? <laughs> has anyone felt they didn't have enough? Has anyone looked in the cupboards and said, where is the food? I can guarantee you people live with that every day. Maybe it's not you today, but it's someone you know. Someone, whether they're telling you or not. We're called to be content with what we have because that can throw us off course. Remember, there are pieces to a puzzle that are always by Satan trying to get moved apart and moved apart and moved apart. Or maybe we're on a journey between A to C and he's trying to take us off the course, off the course, off the course, much like the, the wolf in the Red Riding Hood story. Let's just go look at some flowers. Let's just go take care of the money part over here. Boy, that sex looks appealing over here. Stay on course. The next parts. Uh, this is probably what um, the start of what your leaders can't say for themselves. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now, I want to say that this is really referencing people from the past who maybe... That, you, that may not be in this room, people who have led you in the past, maybe they're former pastors or leaders or youth leaders or spiritual advisors. Is there a way of life worthy of imitating? I would hope so. Think back, what would they do? Remember they had the bracelets, what would Jesus do? Well, what would my former pastor do? What would my youth leader have done? What would they have done? What would my parent have done in this situation? What would that person that I respect greatly have done? And the next part says... Sorry that I'm, there we go. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think I'm going to follow along in my Bible instead. Uh, don't be carried away from all, by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for your heart to be strengthened by grace. You see, there are lots of things that will draw our attention away from grace, but we have to stay on course with grace. There are people here, the next few verses are outlining um, that people in the Old Testament, sorry, people in, uh, um, in the time of Jesus, they were saying it was grace and, grace and. If I just have the ceremonial meal, if I just sacrifice in this way, that it's a grace and, it's not grace and. 
but grace draws us to do other things. And so it goes on. For, for the sake of time, I'm going to skip down to verse 15, which is the next slide. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And don't forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. It uplifts him. It, it refreshes the heart in the middle of the B zone. Well, let's wrap it up. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Can I say this again? What I don't think they can say as strongly as I can, they need your support. There are going to be times you disagree. That's life. But can you tell me, if you stand before me and try to convince me that these men who I've met intimately would do anything to harm any one of you? You're wrong. I've stood by these men and they've stood beside me. I've prayed with these men and they've prayed for me. I know their heart, they know my heart. They know the difficulties of ministry, I know the difficulties of ministry, and I can say this, and I don't mean any offense when I say this, you have no idea what these guys do or go through. I know because I feel the same way. Their lives are different than yours. They just are. And guess what? they get doubly judged. How exciting is that? You ever hear, and we talked about this, Don, this week. We said, if you can do anything else, do it. <laughs> <laughs> There's some real truth to that statement. But these men have been called by God to do those things, to lead, to lead through the difficult, to lead through the joy, to lead through the highs, to lead through the lows. And they've done it well. Well done, good and faithful servant. I can say that from a distance. I I'm sure that we could stay here the rest of the day and testify to how faithful that they have been to you and to me. But the reason we do that is so that joy will be revealed. Remember one of the three purposes of the church? Are we a church of grace? Are we a church of relationship? Are we a church of joy? The way you treat your leaders and respond to their leadership results in joy, I hope. And so he ends and he just says, I would like to pray for you well, he actually first says, will you pray for us? And then I'd like to pray for you. And this is what he prays. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. Your job is to make Christ known. We were just at a conference together by multiply. Multiply has three words, three phrases that are gospel-centered, spirit-led, and mission-focused. And we need to think the same way. Are we gospel-led? Gospel-centered, spirit-led, mission-focused. What's the mission? To refresh some hearts. To display grace. To live in relationship. To exude joy. To the glory of the Father. I want to tell you, I could very easily find all the negatives in life, as you could too. I could when I see that the sign says negative 34 degrees Celsius in the middle of summer on Commercial Street, I can slap my head and go again. Or I could say, you know what? I'm going to learn how to spell right. And I'm going to teach other people how to spell right. And between the A and the C, I'm going to live in the B and I'm going to build up, refresh. And I just want to refresh you today with the words of Christ that you'd be reminded that the gospel is good and it brings refreshment. 
And let's spell it right. Can I pray for you? Yeah. yeah. Father, we just want to be uh, fully aware of who you are. We thank you that your word reminds us of the gospel. It reminds us that we don't live under law anymore. That we live under the freedom of grace. That we just come before you and say, we are nothing and you are everything and yet you call us equals. You say that we have the same inheritance. That I am clothed in Christ and when God looks at me, he sees you. And I receive that gift. And I want to live it out. So may my focus be toward you. And as I'm putting my focus toward you and as I point toward the prize that you've already destined for my life, may I run as though I'm already living with the prize in my insight and I run with excitement in the sea zone. Father, may we not be burdened, but may we be uplifted as we treat one another well, respectfully, forgive, apologize, and live out with grace in light of the gospel. We just thank you, Jesus, today. Amen.